Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32 and 36 through 38. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory for your people Israel. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord for us. It seems that life begins with one walker. Many a Reisner child has been in this. This was a gift given to our family when we had our firstborn, Jonas. It begins with one walker and it ends with another walker. When we age and slow down and need a little bit of assistance, and really this is the way God designed it. God placed us within a family unit, knowing that when we were small, we would need parents who would care for us and help us and nurture us and protect us and watch over us. And then knowing we would reach the stage where our own parents need our care and protection and assistance. And so this morning, it doesn't really uh, matter or depend on which of these walkers you're closer to. (laughs) Some are a little younger and closer to this one. Some are a little older and closer to that one. Some of us are in the middle going, I have never thought about this. Man, I think it's probably that one. It doesn't matter which one of those you're closer to this morning. We can all be encouraged with this great truth today that God is faithful in all seasons of life. I would also like to suggest this morning that we should honor those that are a little older than ourselves, that we should give reverence and honor to those that are older. In fact, the scriptures tell us that if we look at Leviticus 19 and verse 32, it says, stand up in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly. I loved what I read this week. There were small children who were asked to describe what is a grandparent, or specifically a grandmother. So tell us, what is a grandma? Let me share a few of the responses that were given from small children. A grandmother is a lady who has no children of her own. She likes other people's little girls and boys. A grandfather is a man grandmother. Grandmothers don't have to do anything but be there. They're so old, they shouldn't play or run. When a grandmother takes you for a walk, she, is, she slows down past things like pretty leaves 
and caterpillars. Usually, grandmothers are fat, but not too fat to tie your shoes. (laughs) They wear glasses and funny underwear. They can take their teeth and gums off. When they read to us, they don't mind if it's the same story over and over and over again. And then this one. Everybody should have a grandmother, especially if you don't have cable. Hey, today we are wrapping up our sermon series. It's just been a joy and a delight. Uh, We've called this series Seasons, and we've really spent these last weeks considering that the gospel influences each and every stage of life, that, that God is indeed faithful. He is faithful at every age and in every stage, that, that Jesus then leads us to fruitfulness and to kingdom living, whether we're young or, shall we say, not so young. So let me introduce myself. I'm John. I'm thrilled that you are with us today, and I'm praying that through our time together, your heart grows stronger and your faith grows deeper. Yes, so we're talking about the golden years today. That is the elderly. And this is a season that causes people oftentimes to be nostalgic. That that is to reflect on the life they have lived, the experiences that they have shared, to, to look back on their lives, but at the same time, wondering what lies ahead. Wondering what lies ahead. And, and what I mean by that is both in this life and in the next. Wondering what lies ahead. It's a season, of course, that brings very unique challenges like health problems or adjusting to a a new lifestyle, or or entering into retirement. Oftentimes, you can struggle with feeling detached from kids and grandkids. Sometimes in this season of life, we, we struggle as we wonder, what is our purpose? What good am I? Of what use am I? What, what is God going to use me for? Other, other times, a unique challenge is you've lost your spouse. And you're grieving and you're hurting, and and there are many times where you are lonely. Well, one of my favorite takes on aging comes from an unlikely source. It's Billy Crystal in the movie City Slickers. You may remember that from many years ago. But he was speaking to a group of fourth graders in this particular scene, and here's how he described it. Value this time in your life, kids. Because this is the time in your life when you still have your choices. And it goes by so fast. When you're a teenager, you think you can do anything, and you do. Your 20s are a blur. 30s, you raise your family, you make a little money, and you think to yourself, what happened to my 20s? 40s, you grow a little pot belly, you grow another chin. The music starts to get too loud. One of your old girlfriends from high school becomes a grandmother. 50s, you have a minor surgery. You'll call it a procedure, but it's a surgery. 60s, you'll have a major surgery. The music is still loud, but it doesn't matter because you can't hear it anyway. The 70s, you and the wife retired to Fort Lauderdale. Started eating dinner at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You have lunch around 10, breakfast the night before. Spend most of your time wandering around malls looking for the ultimate soft yogurt and muttering, how come the kids don't call? How come the kids don't call? The 80s, you'll have a major stroke. You end up babbling to some Jamaican nurse who your wife can't stand, but who you call mama. Any questions? <laughs> uh, now, now, this sermon is it's not geared specifically and only, I should say exclusively, 
to those that are in their golden years. I do want to be clear that I, I pray that this is an encouragement to those of you in that season of life. We want to encourage you and honor you today. But I do think there's something for each and every one of us today as we consider God's faithfulness throughout the seasons. And, and I do want to share that as I consider these golden years, I, I, want, to, I want to point out that they also present really amazing opportunities. That these golden years present great opportunities, even as perhaps your family life or your career life changes and shifts, that we can celebrate that our work on behalf of God's kingdom doesn't stop. So I want to encourage us with that today. You know, we, we never stop serving Christ. We never retire from kingdom living. We pray that each and every one of us would continue to be fruitful in Christ even in our later years. Like the man who was recently watching the Browns football game. Now, he had just had his 75th birthday. He was feeling a little bit wistful. And he said to his grandson, you know, it's not easy getting old. I guess I'm in the fourth quarter now. The little boy looked at his grandpa and said, oh, don't worry, grandpa. Maybe you'll go into overtime. Did you know that the most productive years of a person's life can be the golden years? Just look at the Bible. Moses was 80 years old when God called him to lead his people out of Egypt. Other people throughout history as well. Socrates gave us his best philosophy at age 70. Plato was only a student at age 50. And did his best work after his 60th birthday. Michelangelo painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel when he was almost 90. Webster wrote his monumental dictionary at age 70. And of course, Winston Churchill became prime minister of Great Britain at age 65. And that's, of course, when he rallied the world to victory against Hitler. So let's turn in our Bibles today to Luke chapter 2. And read about some biblical examples of people in their golden years serving the Lord. Let's begin with a man named Simeon. So this is where Alicia read for us a few minutes ago. But let's turn to Luke chapter 2. And if we start in verse 25, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. And, and a description of him. He was righteous and devout. Now, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And, and look at verse 26. Isn't this interesting? It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms. What a great picture here. The aged in his golden years. And he takes this precious baby. From one walker to another walker. He took him in his arms, praising God and saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And so here's what I want to point out, that Simeon was indeed an elderly gentleman, and yet he was eagerly looking forward to all that God was going to bring about. He was eagerly looking forward to what God was doing 
and what was going to happen in the rising generations coming behind him. And so I want to encourage us this morning as we consider how might God use us in our golden years that the Lord gives you an eternal perspective. God had revealed to Simeon, we pointed this out in verse 26, that he would see the Messiah before he died. And so here was a man who lived life keeping out a sharp eye, looking around every corner, prayerfully discerning where and when he will see the Messiah that God had told him he would see. He, let, let's put it this way. He looked at life through the lens of eternity. And what a great example for each and every one of us to follow. That, that God would give us this eternal perspective. And then in verse 30, he declares, my eyes have seen your salvation. What a great declaration. And those that are in their golden years, what a powerful impact. When you say, my eyes have seen salvation, that it has on your kids and your grandkids and the next generations coming after you. That you are living life, looking at it through an eternal perspective, looking for where God is at work and looking forward to what is to come. You know, it just seems to me that the older we get, the more we think about heaven. The older we get, the more we think about life beyond this one and how we need that perspective in the church. We need that perspective in the church. We need to be reminded Again, we've just talked through, this is, the, this is the capstone sermon in this series. We've talked through many different seasons and stages in life. We need to be reminded that life is more than work and mortgage payments and diapers and building a portfolio and accumulating clout and wealth and success. We need to be reminded that there is a life beyond this life. We need an eternal perspective. We need the wisdom of our elders to help us have Eyes to see the salvation of the Lord and what God is doing. This is what Simeon demonstrates for us. But Simeon isn't the only one here. Let's keep reading about this woman named Anna. And she shared this eternal perspective. So if we jump down to verse 36, we're in Luke chapter 2. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Okay, well, we're very blunt there, aren't we, Dr. Luke? <laughs> She lived with her husband seven years after marriage. Then she was a widow until she was 84. And then look at this. She never left the temple. She worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. And you're going to see here, as you look closely at Simeon and Anna, that they just had characteristics. Like of, of Simeon, it said he was devout. Of Anna, it didn't need to say she was devout. We know she was devout because it says she never left the temple. She was a person who prayed, who fasted. And then in verse 38, we see this encounter between her and the family of Jesus. It says, coming up to them, meaning Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. At that very moment, she gave thanks to God. And then she spoke about the child, that is Jesus, to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And here's what I want to point out. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many great uh, truths here. This is a, these are rich stories as we consider the golden years and what God might, the blessings that come with age. Anna demonstrates that the life of discipleship doesn't end. You don't reach a certain birthday and say, well, I'm done 
growing in the Lord. You don't reach a certain date and say, well, I've already studied the Bible and I've prayed and I've fasted and I've encouraged others and now I'm done. You continue on. You keep growing. You keep learning. God continues to use you. You never retire from serving Christ and being a part of the church. Even in our golden years, we seek the Lord. We keep growing in him. Let me point out another way that God uses us in our golden years. The first is he gives you an eternal perspective. The next one is that the Lord calls you to trust in him. It's just that the longer you live, the more you realize God is going to come through. The longer you live, the more you realize how feeble you are on your own, especially as you age and as you slow down and as your mental faculties dull, you realize I need the Lord and that he will come through. The longer you live, the more you realize that the Lord is the only one that you can depend on. You can't depend on yourself. You can't depend on any other person. You can only depend on the Lord. Turn with me to Luke chapter 21. Let's meet another elderly woman in the scriptures. We don't even have her name. But she demonstrates great trust. Beginning of Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, we see uh, Jesus is in the temple here again, by the way. He's now grown. He's not a baby. And Jesus sees this woman giving everything she has into the offering. It says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Verse 3, truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. And then he explains. See, all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she gave out of her, she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. Our Lord Jesus takes note of this very small, very simple act that takes place, probably in a very busy, very crowded, very noisy environment. And what he points out is that this little woman gave all. See, she gave more than the others. Well, how could that be? Didn't it say she put in two small copper coins? Like, Jesus seems to be the only one who's impressed here. First of all, most people didn't even notice her. Second of all, even the ones who may have possibly noticed this small little old little woman putting in two small copper coins were like, not impressed. Wow, two little pennies. Thanks, Granny. Where will we spend it all? Like, why did you even bother coming to the temple if all you were going to give is those two tiny little pennies? How far do you think that's going to go in meeting our budget? Like, anyone who would have even noticed her would have probably had that reaction. Gee, thanks. I am not impressed. And yet Jesus has the opposite. His reaction is, guys, check this out. We have this in, in the synoptics where, where Jesus sort of huddles up the disciples. It's a teaching moment. You know, as, as a parent, you look for those teachable moments. Jesus looked for those. He huddles up the disciples. Guys, get over here. Check this out. And they're like, what? That, that dude giving that huge bag of money? No, not him. Behind him. That little old lady? She's got two tiny copper coins. Jesus says, yeah, yeah, she just gave more than everybody else. And they're like, do you need glasses? 
She didn't give more than everybody else. And Jesus goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He explains it there in verse 4. She gave more than everybody else because they gave out of the abundance of their wealth. She put in everything. Jesus knows this woman's plight. He knows her situation. He knows that she's a poor widow. He knows that she is the most vulnerable in her society, that she was truly the least of these. This woman trusts God, and this very simple act shows it. See, this woman didn't have enough to live on. Those two small copper coins would not have been enough for her to sustain herself. So she goes, I don't have enough to live on anyway. So what I do have, I'm going to give to the Lord. I love it. She recognizes she needs to depend on the Lord for absolutely everything, 100%. She didn't trust in her own physical capabilities. Like the elderly gentleman who, it just seemed he was always complaining about his deteriorating health. I can barely hear. I can barely see. I can barely walk, he said. But then his countenance changed very cheerfully. He said, but at least I can still drive. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, he's still driving. Watch out. Here's, here's what this little widow woman who put in the two small, small copper coins, here's what she knew, that she could trust God. God's going to provide. God's going to take care of me. This all belongs to the Lord anyway. That's why she can be generous with the last of her money. And I just want to pause here to, to speculate that for many of us, most of us, I think our instinct is just the opposite. I've only got this small amount, so I'm going to hang on to it. I've only got this much, so, so certainly God's going to understand that I don't give him any of it because I need this. I think our instinct is almost the exact opposite of this. And yet God calls us to say, Lord, I want to give you everything, whether we have a little, whether we have a lot. God, this all belongs to you anyway. You're the one who owns it all. I'm a steward of it. In fact, I'm going to preach on that subject just next Sunday, so I hope you'll come back. We're going to learn and talk about stewardship next Sunday and generosity. This little old woman also didn't know anyone was watching. She didn't seem to care or notice or think about the fact that anyone else even knew what she was doing. But people are watching. People are watching you. They're taking note. They're learning from your example. And you can tell when someone has trust or when someone is mistrusting. And this woman was a godly example of trusting completely in our good God. Because guess what? We can trust him. He is faithful. He is reliable. He has come through time and time and time and time again. And the longer you live, the more able you are to proclaim that. That's what this woman did. So this morning, we're pointing out some of the blessings that come along with age. How God is going to use you even in your golden years. He gives you an eternal perspective. He calls you to trust him. One final way that the Lord will use you in your golden years. The Lord uses you to speak of him. This is something we talk about a lot here. Sharing the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. We talk about it a lot. Every day at MCA, we talk about that. And we pray about that. And we strategize about that. How can we do that? 
Are we doing that? Let's reflect and evaluate. Let's modify. Let's press on and persevere. We want to share the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. So we see in Psalm 145, verse 4, that one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. Now, what's great about Psalm 145 is this, this is a psalm of praise. It was, would have been used then as a song or, or recited as a poem. In fact, this particular psalm was written as an acrostic. That, that is, each verse begins with a successive letter of the alphabet. So what do I mean when I say the Lord uses you to speak of him? I mean, the truth of Christ should consistently emerge from your life, from your words, from your attitude, from your actions, from A to Z. Like we have in Psalm 145 as an acrostic, from A to Z. That that our conversations should include our relationship with the Lord. That our stories ought to reflect the goodness of God. That we should have lips that honor him. Sing songs that glorify him. Preach sermons that proclaim him. And pray prayers that call desperately on him. In fact, I want to look at the next few verses there as well. In Psalm 145. And, And you just... You can't help but notice the verbs that jump off the page. How many different ways could David say, speak, tell, proclaim, share? So let's go there. Psalm 145. Let's read the next couple of verses, starting in verse 5. They speak. And again, we're talking about one generation passing on the faith, sharing the good news, encouraging the generations that come after them. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Church, people of all ages, young to old, why would we withhold the good news of a God who created all things and who loves those he made? Why would we withhold the good news? That he wants to have a relationship with us. That he is a good, loving, generous, heavenly father. That he is merciful and just. That that even though every single one of us has sinned and done wrong, we've made mistakes, we've scorned our creator, that he forgives us. That we can be accepted and welcomed into his kingdom. That he calls us his sons and daughters as we put our faith in him. Because, you see, it's the moment that we put our faith, our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that we're given a new life. It's the moment we believe, like the thief on the cross. Our sins are forgiven. And and our sins have earned us eternal punishment. Our sins and the wrongs we've done mean that we are headed for an eternal destiny apart from Christ in the flames of hell. And yet, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we call to him for his great salvation, he rescues us. He gives us this free gift. We haven't earned it. We haven't impressed God so that he says, wow, here's your free ticket in. It's 
Because of what Jesus did, we are given eternal life. Here's my question. Will you speak of it? Will you proclaim it? Will you share it? Will you sing it? Will you celebrate it? And at this point, yeah, I'm thinking this is a message not just for older folks. This is for each and every one of us. When you have been forgiven of your sins, filled with the Holy Spirit, set free of the tyranny of Satan, and you're in right standing with the Almighty God, you just can't help but talk about it. And so, Lord, loosen our lips and use us that we might speak of you, your goodness, and what you have done in our lives, that others might hear and also believe. Here's what Paul says in the New Testament, Colossians 4 and verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. He didn't say, let your conversations at times be full of grace. He didn't say, let your conversations sporadically be full of grace. He didn't say, let your conversations occasionally be full of grace. He didn't say, on Sundays, let your conversations be full of grace. He said, let your conversation always be full of grace. And all of a sudden we realize we can't do this on our own. Try as I may, in my flesh, I will grumble and complain. Ah, that's why we need to surrender our lives to the Lordship of Jesus, infused with the Holy Spirit, renewed in our minds that we could be the righteousness of God. Your influence, my friend, can be used to help shape the faith of others. For those that are a little bit older, God uses you to speak into and to pour into and to raise up the next generation that we would see men and women, younger people, building God's kingdom. It reminds me of a grandmother who was out for a bicycle ride. She was out with her eight-year-old granddaughter. In 10 years, the grandmother said, with a little bit of sadness, you'll want to be with your friends. You won't want to go on a bike ride or, or taking a walk or going swimming with your grandma anymore. The little girl looks lovingly at grandma and says, oh, grandma, in 10 years, you'll be too old to do these things. <laughs> and I, I guess I want to point out that this is kind of, I think it reveals something our culture has lost which is younger ones learning from older ones. You know, it's to our detriment that we're always segregated by age. And I realize, you know, even here in the, in the context of our ministry, we'll have a great, we have graded Sunday school classes. Our core groups typically tend to gather with people in the same season of life. I'm not against that. But it's to our detriment when we're always with our peers when we don't have the wisdom and the insight coming from the older generations. And I think we fall into this really sinful, really wrong-headed kind of thinking that relegates the older generation to playing bingo. We don't need you anymore. We're going to put you out to pasture. I think older folks are devalued in our culture. And the Bible smacks right in the face of that. We began this sermon with Leviticus 19. This is stand up in the presence of the aged. 
that is rise to show your respect and your honor. Don't devalue those that are a little older. What a shame that younger generations would miss out on the opportunity to learn from those with more wisdom and more experience. Listen, we could greatly benefit from the lessons that others have learned in a a bunch of different arenas, godly living, marriage, parenting, relationships, life skills. I love when I see our Titus II women's ministry and it's and it's young and old. See, that's a, that's a great example of this intergenerational relationship. And the ones that are a little older share a recipe on some old Swiss-German, I don't know, sweet thing. And they teach the younger ones how to bake it. And then the next generation's like, mmm, this is good. And it's way more than that pastry. It's hearts that trust the Lord. It's an eternal perspective that, that lives life with looking for the salvation that God brings. We need the young and the old to connect. And I do want to say, too, I believe the blessings go both ways. <laughs> that, that the older ones offer stability and wisdom. That the younger ones do offer a certain amount of inspiration and invigoration. One provides roots. The other provides renewal. You might be surprised at what you can learn from one another, from someone at a very different season of life. You might be surprised. And when those inevitable moments come where you are stressed and you're struggling and life has knocked you down, who better to encourage you, to affirm you, to to help pick you up and dust you off and support you than the older brother or sister? One who maybe has journeyed through similar trials and they've seen God's faithfulness and they've seen God's hand. In fact, if you're here today and you're struggling with life, I would invite you to come for prayer after the service. Our prayer team will be in the front. They'll be available. They would love to minister to you, to pray over you and with you. We want you to know you're not alone. Allow us to come alongside you to bear your burden. Let's share our stories one with another. Let's offer help. So as we close, let me speak directly to those of you in your golden years. Thank you. We honor you. We love you. We respect you. We want to encourage you. Keep serving the Lord. Your example is a a more powerful impact than maybe you realize. That little widow woman putting in her two small copper coins, she didn't know. And here we are 2,000 years later preaching about her. You don't know the impact that you're going to have. Keep serving the Lord. Have that eternal perspective. Put your trust fully and completely and entirely in him. Keep setting the example. Keep looking forward to all that God has in store. Keep trusting him every step of the way. We need your insights. We need your support and your friendship. We need your love. We are grateful to have you in our lives. And we thank the Lord for you. So as we close this series, let me proclaim again God's faithfulness at every age, through every stage. Keep your eyes fixed on him because he is good and he loves you. So let's pray to him this morning. Thank you, gracious and almighty God, 
for the gift that you give us, for the grandmas and grandpas, and in some cases, their surrogate grandmas and grandpas, their spiritual grandmas and grandpas, who set a great godly example, who, who love us and encourage us and spur us on, that the legacy will continue beyond their time on earth, but that you've used them for eternity. So we choose today to stand in their presence, to respect and show honor where it is due. And God, we thank you for them. We ask your blessing upon them. Lord, you're so good. We pray, Lord, for these relationships here within our church family that, that young and old would connect to inspire and encourage one another, that we would continue to learn and grow and become with this vibrant community of transformed people because we're on mission for you, oh God, trusting you every step of the way. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.